Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Absolutely. As Pastor mentioned, we want to welcome each one of you. Thank you so much for choosing this day to be with us. In fact, what I want to do for a moment is we want to show some love to Pastor Thorne this morning. So if you love Pastor Thorne, let's give him a hand clap, right? We, lo we love our pastor, don't we? We love you, sir. All right. Now listen, listen. I'm going to continue this morning on my series that I've been uh, doing, When God Doesn't Make Sense. So I'm going to do something here for a minute where it really doesn't make sense for some of you, maybe. But we have advanced technologi technologically here at the church. And uh, can, let me, show of hands, who has version Bible app? Okay. I'm going to ask you to do this for a moment. Go ahead, go to your phone, go to your tablet. Some of you are going, well, I don't bring it into church. Well, now you have a reason to bring it into church. Watch this. All right. You go to your Version Bible app. This makes sense now. Watch me. All right. Version Bible app. All right. Go to there. Then on the bottom right, if you have uh, iPhone, I don't know what it is on the Android, but if you have, on the bottom right, there's a section called More. All right. Click on More. Okay. Up top left, if you're on the Android version, hit More, then hit Events. There's a reason why we're doing this, okay? You don't have events. Uh, you two might need to help him. I don't know, you know. He's, okay. Oh, because you have to upgrade your U version. That's why I, I ran into that too. All right, if you have events, if you have events, you'll see that we will pop up Shingatig Church of God. If you click on there, you will see today's sermon. You'll be able to follow along with all of uh, the scriptures. It'll allow you to give notes in there. And you can save it so you can go back anytime you want to to go take a look at this message. That's all the time I'm going to waste on that. You can play with that later at another time. All right. <laughs> I knew it would hit a home run with some of you. The others it would strike out with, but that's okay. Give and take. All right. So I'm going to continue this morning uh, with regard to this, uh, the topic, when God doesn't make sense. You know, we've all had those prayers where we've asked God to do things and, you know, he's just not responded the way that we have wanted him to or in the manner of which we were expecting him to. But, you know, sometimes God seems to, uh, he seems late. Okay. Think about that for a minute. I'm actually talking about the answered prayer, but it's not when it was supposed to happen. All right. Some and, and listen, we are a, a, a people who we don't like, at least I don't like. OK, I can't stand being late for something. All right. Now, I'm going to tell my wife she would rather be late than on time. Definitely late than early. All right. But that's not me. Late to me is on time. All right. On time is five to ten minutes before you're supposed to be there. Early is when I get here about two hours before service, all right? That's early, all right? But um, we don't like lateness. I mean, think about it. Who likes to sit at the traffic light waiting for it to turn green? We want things to happen now, right? I don't, who likes to watch water get to the boiling point? Actually, I will sit there and look at it sometimes. I really will. I would be like, this is not happening I don't think it's going, and then I walk away and all of a sudden bubbles form. I don't understand that, you know. 
You know, we don't like, how about this, guys, guys especially. Oh, no, I'm not going to generalize this to guys. Don't raise hands for this one. But who hates waiting on your spouse? Think about that. I, I said don't raise your hand. All right? That, that's where you're going to get in trouble, all right? <laughs> but we're in a series when God doesn't make sense. And this, is, this, this message today will close out this series. But, you know, there's many of us right now who literally we're waiting on God to do something. You've been praying about something particular in your life that you've needed God to do, and, and you've almost got to the point where you're, you're asking yourself, why doesn't God do something about it? You know, why am I not seeing God move the way I'm expecting him to move right now, the way I need him to move right now, the way I know he sees my need, and I know he sees that he needs to answer it right now, but why doesn't God do something about it? Now, we're going to be honest for a moment, all right? How many of you ever asked this one question? Why hasn't God done something about it? Maybe you've not said it verbally to somebody, or maybe you have. I, I have before in life. You know, when I've been frustrated spiritually, and I haven't seen something go the way that I wanted, I'm like, do you have a clue as to why God's not answering that? As if they know, you know? But if, if we don't ask it verbally to somebody, we're at least thinking it. We're thinking that question, God, why aren't you doing something about it. Well, maybe, maybe it's different things like, you know, you're waiting for a house to sell and it's not happening in the manner of what you wanted. I've been there, all right? Maybe, maybe you're waiting for a job to come open and you've been praying about it and you're like, God, you know, this would answer all of my financial needs. In fact, God, I could actually pay tithe if you would open this job for me. Maybe you need to pay tithe and then God will open the job. That's another sermon. We're a little bit right there, all right? You know, maybe we've, we've asked ourselves the question, you know, God, I, you know, this person needs to be my spouse. And it's, they don't even know I exist, you know. Think about it. We've all been in places where we've prayed and we've asked God some silly questions, some serious questions, you know. Um, maybe we're waiting for a miracle of some sort, physically in your body, mentally, I don't know. Maybe, and, and God just hasn't seen to bring the fulfillment of that prayer, and let's face it, it can get very, very, very frustrating. It can become very frustrating. Now, if you're taking notes, and I hope that you are, I want you to write this one thing down. And, and, and I, this is a truth that I think can, can help you with this, and it is this. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. Let that sink in for a moment. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. In fact, this morning, we're going to see just that. Uh, it's it's a, uh, about a year and a half ago, I did a message like this on this topic, but today is going to be a different little bit of twist on it. But it comes from John chapter, uh, John chapter 11 is where we're going to look at. But before we get right into the exact scripture, I want to give you a little bit of background information about these characters that we're going to talk about today. Obviously, uh, we're talking about Jesus, all right? We, we understand who he is, what he's done, uh, the meaning he is for our life. But we're also going to talk about a couple other individuals, Mary, we're going to talk about Martha, and we're going to talk about Lazarus. Now, here you've got two sisters, all right, uh, Mary and Martha. Now, we understand that there was a, a season or there was an event that had taken place with them, with Jesus,
And the event was they invited Jesus. They said, come to our house. Come to our house. You know, uh, we're going to fix you a nice meal. You know, come to our house. We want to spend time with you. And you, you can read it later on in Scripture. They come to the house. But while they're asking and they're prepping for it, you know, uh, Martha is frantically going around trying to make sure everything is in the right spot. I mean, it's Jesus of, of all people who's coming to the house. I mean, you want to make sure that the house is clean. You want to make sure that there's a nice aroma going around, you know. They're not smelling your funk, you know what I mean? You want to make sure that things are put where they're supposed to be placed, all right? So you have Martha here who is this type of OCD about her, all right? And can anyone maybe relate to Martha? Don't, don't nudge anybody, but... All right? And then you have the next character, which is Mary. She just doesn't care. She's not concerned. She's not worried. Tap, tap, no name calling. All right? She's not worried. She's just, hey, we're here. You know, it's, he's, he, what he sees is what he gets. You know, that's how it is. So anyway, so they come in. Jesus comes in, and, you know, you, you guys pretty much know the story. Martha's like, Jesus, she's like pretty much doing nothing and I'm doing everything. And he's just like, let's just eat. Let's just eat. He eats. They have a great time. We're going to stop right there on that story. Now, obviously, when you invite somebody over, you're not inviting somebody over to your house that you don't know. Think about that. Most likely, if you're inviting someone over for dinner and you're making a point to, to, um, Make sure everything is right. These, this person is high up on your list. You want to make sure, you know, that everything is right where it's supposed to be. It's clean. I've got the meal prepared. It's the best meal that we're ever going to have. <laughs> Depending on how well you like the person, I guess, maybe. That could be. But typically when you invite somebody over, they're close friends. Okay? And so for, you know, Martha here and, and Mary, to them... In this moment, they have a close relationship with Jesus. They had dinner together. He came over. He visited with them. I'm laying a foundation here. So there was a a relationship that was built. There's a camaraderie that's there. There's a relationship that is very close. And in my opinion, as I would go to a close friend, if I had something that uh, my friend could take care of and we're close and I go to them, I have an expectation of them that they're going to do what I'm asking or at least pitch in and help me to do what I'm asking. And the same thing is going on right here, okay, with Mary and Martha as we get into this story. That they had an expectation that Jesus was going to fulfill what they were needing or what they were asking. So let's go ahead and take a look. Go to John chapter 11. We're going to be looking at verses 1 and then verse 3. Verse 1 says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. In other words, they had somebody go. A messenger said, listen, go to Jesus. This is where he's at. Go to him and tell him that he, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. He said, go. Go to him and let him know he's sick. Now go to verse 3. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. And this is the words they used. And you're going to remember this. This, is for, this should be familiar to you. 
But he said, Lord, the one you love is sick. Think about that statement right now. They sent word to Jesus, and they said this, Lord, the one you love is sick. They didn't even have to put his name in there. There's such a close relationship there that Jesus was going to know exactly who they were talking about. Exactly who that messenger was, was speaking of. Your best friend, one of your closest friends, one of your biggest allies, one of your greatest support is sick. Mary and Martha are saying, we're worried about Lazarus. Jesus, you're out healing all of these people. You're doing all of these great and wondrous things. But we need you to take a break for a moment and come to us. Come to Lazarus because the one you love is sick. And their expectation of this is that Jesus would come. You know, they, they wait a day. Jesus doesn't show up. All right, you know, he's busy. He's, he's doing some things. Um, but, but he's going to be here. He's going to be here. He, he's he's going to show up. So, you know, they, they wait the next day. The next morning, they're thinking, you know, surely he's going to, when we get up, he's going to be there at breakfast. He's not there. Maybe lunchtime he'll be there. Maybe dinner time. Jesus is going to show up. He's not there. Next day, you know, look, you know, Jesus, this is Lazarus now. Mary and Martha are thinking in their mind, I mean, he's sick. Every day further goes, he's getting worse. He's not getting better. And Jesus, you're, you're out healing and moving and, and touching all these different lives. But, but the one you love, Jesus, the one that is close to you, the one who is just as your best friend, he's sick. And you know what? Still, no Jesus. I can't believe it, they're thinking in their minds. They don't understand it. It's just almost as if in this moment, they're probably going through everything that they could have possibly done right in their minds with Jesus to establish that he needs to be there. You know, we, we sometimes when we get in, in this frame of mind as well in our own lives, where we have gone to Jesus or we've gone to God in prayer over something, and we're not seeing him show up when we feel he needs to show up. It's as almost as we start weighing the scales here a little bit. You know, Jesus, this is what I've done for you. I've, I've man, look, I make sure my family's in church every week. So I need your help here. You know, Jesus, I do my best to, to stay in that daily reading plan every single day. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm there, I'm reading it, Jesus. I need you right here. This is what I've done, so this is what you need to do. You know, and, and, and we get, you know, Jesus, you know, I, I, the only thing I pour into me is Christian music. Christian radio in me all the time. I'm not allowing my eyes to see impure things. I'm doing all of this. And, and what we start doing is we start almost treating Jesus as we would treat one another and say, well, I do this, so they're going to do this. And this is what they're doing, most likely in their mind. They're going, Jesus, what? You, you're not showed up. You have not showed up. 
Write this down. With God, a waiting season, which you have already should have, Bill. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. You know, right now you might be waiting and, and you're believing that God is going to do something. You're believing that God is going to move. But if you recall, sometimes it's not about your plan, but it's about God's purpose that's going to prevail. See, we don't always understand what God's purpose is when we're in the heat of the moment, when we're in the struggle. It's hard to see because we're blinded spiritually, because we're looking and hearing with our, with our natural eyes and our natural ears, rather than saying and being disciplined enough by saying, God, I need to see my situation not as I see it physically, but as you see it in the spiritual realm. That's why it's important when we come to church. That's why it's important when we take on that daily reading plan. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. But here's two things I want to throw at you this morning. And the number one is this. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Think about that. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. In other words, just because God has not answered it in the time frame of which you have wished or wanting doesn't mean he's not going to answer it. In fact, verse 4, we read this. When he heard this, now what did he hear? He heard that the one he loves is what? Sick. Lazarus. So when he heard this, Jesus speaking, when Jesus heard this, when he had heard this, Jesus said this, the sickness will not end in death. Then he says something even more profound. It's almost like it's, it's a new category for us to think about. He says this. The sickness is not in his death. No, it is for God's glory. Well, wait a minute. How can sickness be God's glory? How can this problem be God's glory? Hmm. He says, no, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. In other words, this is what it said. I know this is going on. I am still in complete control. And when you get to the end of the story, you're going to see the answer. And I will be glorified through it. See, remember, God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Now, we can can argue that. We can say, you know, we can call it a, a divine delay. But... I don't like to be delayed. I don't like to be delayed in life. I do not like to be delayed spiritually. You know, we know that because of this. We don't like delayed. We know that because of the the new app that we just shared with you this morning. We want everything now, right now. I can't stand delay. You know how that is when you're in Salisbury and you're sitting at the red light for the mall and it's taking forever. And I'm going, thank God, I like that delay. (laughs) We don't like delays. I hate delays in baseball, rain delays. Can't stand it. We don't like being delayed. Now, 
God wants to do something in you before he can do something for you. Think about that. God wants to do something in you before he can do something for you. Now watch this. Carter. It's been a while since I brought up Carter. I've been going through a Carter withdrawal in my messages. I fit him in this week just real quick. It's funny. He's five years old now. And uh, he'll come up to me and, and he loves, you know, firefighting stuff. He, he's really big right now in the construction working too, saws, all this, all this stuff, okay? And uh, so I kind of worked up a deal with Carter. That's wrong to work up a deal with a five-year-old. The five-year-old always wins, let me just tell you. It seems like he does anyway. But I'm going to tell him for a minute. He's got a, a little bit of a speech problem, so we take him to a speech class uh, every Tuesday morning. And uh, he hates going. He's like, I don't want to go. You know, I'm like, Carter, you do this. Daddy's going to do this. That's wrong, isn't it? Should not teach that stuff, you know. But one day, he, one morning, he came to me, and, and there was something he really wanted, and it was like 3 or $4. And uh, he's like, Daddy, I really want this. I'm like, all right, Carter, well, here, let's make a deal. I said, if, if you do these things for daddy, then we'll go ahead and I'll go get it for you. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And he goes and he picks up his toys in his room and he puts things away and he goes and he sees Dr. Bob. That's what we call him, Dr. Bob. And he did a fantastic job that day. So when we left, we went to Walmart <laughs> to go get that little thing that he wanted. You know, sometimes... God wants to do things through us before he wants to do things for us. You see, with Carter, I'm trying to teach a little bit of responsibility there. And when you do your responsibility, you get a reward. As time goes on, that responsibility will grow. And chances are he's going to buck the system. Kind of how we do spiritually sometimes. Sometimes that responsibility spiritually has grown. And we have gone to God through prayer and we have this big want list of what we need God to do. But God's more concerned about doing something through you than he is necessarily doing something for you. Now, Carter comes up to me now and off topic, he'll come up to me and, and before I was saying, look, here's the deal. Here's what we're going to do. Now he comes up to me and goes, Daddy, here's the deal. Here's what we're going to do. We kind of do the same thing with God. I'm going to let you think about that statement for a second. God wants to do something in you or through you before he can do something for you. In my own life, in waiting seasons, I can tell you that there's been a lot of times where I've, I've, it's not been fun waiting on God. It's not been fun waiting on that season of opportunity to open up. And, it, you know, it can become frustrating. You're sitting there, you see the need before you, you see what you need God to do, and you know that God is very capable of doing it right then and there when you want it. But God is more concerned about your spiritual life, about you growing, than he's concerned about what you get. As time goes by and Jesus has still not arrived, and they're certain that he was going to, but Things weren't looking good, and Lazarus is fighting for his last breath, and he dies. You know, in, in our day and age, we'd be like, well, there goes that, that great praise report. Where is God in that moment? 
Why did God allow something like that to happen? I mean, at this time, Jesus is out even healing the Roman soldiers. They don't like Roman soldiers. So why is he healing them? But he's not healing him. They're disturbed. A long time goes by. By the time he gets there, Jesus speaking, it's almost insultingly rude. You know, the body's been wrapped. It's been four days. They put him in the tomb. But verse 17 tells us this. On his, re, his, re, uh, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. How many? How many days? Four days. Four days. This is important because, listen. Verse 39, if you can jump over to verse 39 for me, it says this. Jesus said, take away the stone. He said, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. By this time, there's a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Now, we understand Martha's demeanor already a little bit. She's kind of high strung, okay? She has things that need to go a certain way. If she doesn't get her way, she's not happy. Can you imagine when Jesus walked up there to her? I mean, for us, we'd be like, it'd be all respect. But, hey, they had that close relationship. You know that close relationship that you have with your family or your friends, that you feel open, that you can complain. Can you imagine? It's, there's a reason why it's not in Scripture. Can you imagine the complaint that may have come out of her mouth? Where were you? What kind of friend are you? You're supposed to be there for us. We're there for you. We're feeding you. We're supporting your ministry. And you couldn't show up when we asked you to come? Don't we, don't we say that? Maybe yeah, we know we do to one another sometimes. But don't we also treat God in the same manner? You may not want to admit it, but many times we're like, God, this is what I've done. This is what I've sacrificed. Where are you? Why have you not shown up when I need you the most? What I find kind of funny about the scripture, though, is that it said that he's, he's got a bad odor. The King James says it this way. By this time, he stinketh. Now, you would think the King James would use bad odor in the NIV version, but he used he stinketh. But it says he stinketh. It's four days. Now, understand there's an important reason for the four days. The first century, they believed that the first three days when someone died, that the spirit hovered around and that there was an opportunity still for God to do a miracle. But when the fourth day had come about, well, there's no hope now. It's done. Now, you can parallel, parallel that a little bit with the resurrection of Christ. That's for another sermon. But just think about that as this week approaches. So for four days now, three, he had that, a three-day window to do something miraculous. It was expected. But now on the fourth day, it's game over. It's too late. 
Verse 20 says this. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary had stayed at home. Verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha, in this moment, is hurt. She's offended. She's upset. Jesus, what were you thinking? Why didn't you? I can't believe you just pushed us aside and and, and didn't even think about us. Verse 21. Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And then verse 22 says this. But I know that even now, wow, her tone changed in the middle here. But I know even now, God will give you whatever you ask. That's, that, that's a huge reality there. That's a big moment there for Martha. Because she was disappointment, anger, mad, felt forgotten about. But then all of a sudden she goes, it just all changed. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. You know, maybe you have not seen God move the way that you've been expecting him to in different things. And it's been frustrating and it's been hard. You've been let down and maybe you're confused or angered. Maybe you're not in a season of that right now, but that season might be coming about later on down the road. Or maybe you've experienced this before. And it's hard to see God's purpose in front of what your plan is. But we always need to remember that God's purpose will always prevail. God, you're not meeting my expectations. I believe in you. I trust you. I worship you. I honor you. I serve you. These are questions that go through our minds. This is a real reality here. Why aren't you meeting my expectations? Here's your second thing. You might want to write this down. If God always met your expectation, he'd never have the opportunity to exceed them. Think about that. If God always met your expectations, he would never have the opportunity to exceed them. You see, John chapter 11, there is no hope for Lazarus. Four days have gone by. He's dead. But Jesus said to her this, these words, your brother will rise again in verse 23. You see, I love that. One moment, there's no hope. In one moment, there is no hope. He's dead. Reality is before them. Just like in your life. Sometimes reality is staring you right in the face. The time frame of which you needed God to move has now passed by. In that moment, we become frustrated. In that moment, we become angered. Maybe some of you in that moment, you just shut down. You think to yourself, I don't, I just, you know what? I don't understand. I just don't understand. I don't understand why God couldn't move 
in that moment. Maybe you're wanting something. Maybe right now this morning that you're praying about something. And what, what is remarkable, though, is that Jesus looked at him and said, roll the stone away. But in verse 43, he says this. When he, heard, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. You see, God's delays are not necessarily our denials. In that moment, God still fulfilled his purpose. And his purpose prevailed. It so happened that it was late. It didn't happen when they wanted it to happen. But the point here is, Martha said, whatever I ask of God, it's going to take place. She was angered. She was frustrated. She was hurt. God had let her down. But she realized that nothing is too late for God. She realized in that moment, when in that verse, where things just transitioned for, God, where were you at? Why, why Jesus? Why? To, but things transitioned right there for her. And she realized that God is bigger than what her plan was. And she understood that God's plan was greater than her plan was. And she understood that her purpose, or God's purpose, was greater than her desire. And that regardless of however long God or Jesus wanted to take before he came that day, God can do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. And there's nothing that we can do about it to change that. You see, sometimes God doesn't make sense. In our minds, he doesn't make sense. Because we need him to move and act right now. You see, just because... You know, you're looking for something and you've been praying and it hasn't happened the way you want. Doesn't mean that God has ignored your prayer. It doesn't mean that it's gonna come or, or come about unanswered. You may wake up one day and realize one day that the scene of your greatest disappointment may become the setting for God's greatest miracle. You see, I, I see this resurrection here of Lazarus, and I see Jesus all over it. I know that he was there, he called him up, but I'm talking about Jesus in the literal form of what we're about to celebrate in this Easter season. We need to understand that the resurrection wasn't an event. It wasn't something that was happened so generations and decades later we could celebrate it. Resurrection was a person. And that person was Jesus Christ. He defeated death. He defeated the grave. And that should give us a little bit of hope in our personal life to understand the things that we have been praying about, the things that you have been seeking God over, just because it didn't happen in your window, your time frame, doesn't mean that God's not going to take care of it. You see, 
Martha thought that for a moment, but she remembered. And when she did that, it was like things changed. And God moved, and his purpose prevailed. You see, I think that was a lesson there for Martha and Mary, as it's a lesson for us. To understand that God doesn't always act within our time frame, but he does act regardless. See, I'm an impatient person. I want things now. I need it to happen now. And I have to be reminded so many times, my wife definitely reminds me, wait, let's wait, let's breathe. Let's wait on God. God's gonna move. God's heard the prayer. God sees the need. God's gonna work in your life. See, some of you today, you've been praying for God to do something physically in your life. You need a miracle. There's some type of sickness or there's some type of disease or something that's taken over and you need God to do something. And you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying to the point of you've almost said, you know, I, I just can't pray about it no more because God's not answering it the way I need him to answer. You know, some of you in here, your relationship with your kids or with your spouse could be rough and, and you're needing God to, to bring you all on the same page. But it seemed like the more you prayed about it, the more discouraging it became. And so you've almost thrown your hands up over it and said, you know what, I just, I, I, I can't do this no more. See, some of you might have been praying for a friend or maybe a spouse who doesn't come to church with you or, or isn't saved. And you've been praying, but it seems like the harder you've been praying, the further they've been going away from God. And so you stopped. See, I had a, a gentleman one time, several years ago, in this community come to me one day. He said, you know, I used to go to church, but when I went to church, it was harder for me to live. So I stopped going to church and I just do whatever I want now, and I'm so much happier. Thank you. That's how I felt in that moment. No. No. You see, we're to push on. We're to keep going after. We're not to throw up our hands and say, God, you know what, I'm just gonna stop. I'm just gonna quit. I'm not gonna pray about it. I don't think you're gonna answer it. I give up on that spouse. God, I'm gonna give up on this marriage. Let's just go our separate ways. We'll start over again another day with another person and we'll move forward. I give up on that marriage, God. I'm not gonna pray about it no more. You're not answering in my time frame. God, my, my kids don't listen to me. They're doing whatever they wanna do. They're not minding. They're not taking the advice that's been given to them. I'm gonna stop praying. I'm done with it. I bet on day four, Mary was like, you know, I just give up. Martha was like, I, I, I'm done. I, I don't know what to do. But in that one verse, things turned around. Martha remembered God can really do anything. And so she didn't stop. And who shows up? But Jesus himself. He says, your brother will rise again. You see, some of you in here, you need to understand that 
that marriage that you've been praying about, God can reconcile it. That spouse that doesn't come to church with you, God can pour out his spirit so strong in that individual that it will come in here. You see, understand something. Before God gives us sometimes what we want, he's got to do something through us. He's got to build our character. He's got to build our faith. So we don't always understand how he's working, what he's doing, but know that he's doing it in your life. And when we stop, we say, God, you know what? You can't have this no more. Don't stop. So this morning, I'm asking every one of you to stand with me. See, God's delays are not necessarily God's denial. He's teaching you something. He's growing something inside of you. There's something that's been birthed inside of you that's growing. It's growing. And one day it's going to come out of you so strong and people are going to be like, what in the world happened there? I I want every head bowed, every eye closed, and I want you to think about what it is you've been praying. Or maybe, you know what, not even what you've been praying, what you've been disappointed about that God didn't do in your time frame. Think about that for a minute. Now my challenge to you though is that we do this. We know what we've been praying about that we haven't seen God answer in the manner in which we wanted him to answer. But let's have that moment that Martha had. Let's think in our mind again that, you know what? There is nothing impossible for my God. There's nothing too big that my God can't conquer. There's nothing too insignificant that he will ignore. God is wanting to rebirth those things that you've been praying about back into your life. He says, don't give up. You're so close to that answered prayer. Don't stop now. Don't stop because while you're praying, you're leaning into me. You're coming into my presence. While you're praying, you're understanding that it's not about your plan, but it's about his purpose. And his purpose is what? It will prevail. God's saying, don't stop. Don't stop in in the midst of your tears. Don't stop in the midst of your heartache. Don't stop in the midst of your discouragement because understand God is doing something in your life. You don't understand it, but there's something that's birthing inside of you that's bigger than you, that God is stirring in your life. I see it. Every, the last three weeks I've stood here and I've been given this message, when God doesn't make sense. And there's been plenty of times in my life where God, you don't make sense. When I look back, I see his hand move. Yes, and I see how I've grown and where he's taken me from to where he's placed me at today. But I also see where I'm going tomorrow because my eyes are fixed upon the Lord. And God is saying, don't stop. You know, I don't know if there's any of you in this room right now who have been contemplating giving up on God completely. Say, God, you've not answered my prayer. I've not seen your hand. almost just 
wiped your hands clean of this Christian religion, faith, relationship, whatever you want to call it. God is saying, don't stop. Don't quit. Keep pressing in. Keep moving forward. Don't stop. Don't turn your back on me now. I've never turned my back on you. Don't turn your back on me. I've never ignored any of your prayers. I've heard every single one of them. When you think I wasn't around, I'm the one that's carried you through. You didn't do anything that's been done. It's not been done because of you. It's because of me. Maybe some of you in here, you've you've not washed your hands of, of your faith, but you've become so discouraged that even coming to church has become hard walk through the doors of this building or any church building it's become difficult because you don't see yourself growing spiritually you've been praying to God God help me to grow but you haven't seen it but God is saying I'm I'm putting things in you every day don't stop some of you have been have been looking at your life and you're like why do I need to allow the word of God to be impacted in my life every day It's not doing anything for me. I'm I'm getting bored of it. Don't stop. God is pouring into your life. His purpose is going to prevail. Your plan isn't that important. His purpose is going to prevail. You can't stop. You can't look at God. You don't make sense. God makes perfect sense. God's timing is perfect. God's ways are holier and more grander than yours will ever be. So this morning, my question to you is, have you given up? Have you thrown up your hands on certain things and just said, God, you know what? I'm not seeing you move and I'm so frustrated. I'm just going to walk away from this. So, my thought is this, and, and I've been right where you are, and you know what, I probably will be in different stages of life moving forward, where I've been so discouraged, but I don't want you to be discouraged this morning. I don't want you to think that God's given up on you. I don't want you to think that God has not answered your prayer or, or has denied it. I want you to know that you are about to break into your greatest season of victory that your life has ever seen. Only though, if you don't stop. Keep pressing in. Keep moving forward. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't allow discouragement to set in. Don't allow that seed of of unfaith to set inside. Say, God, whatever's inside of me that's preventing from me to grow in you, take it out. Take it out of me, God. You see, right now, the words that are coming from my mouth are because this is what you're thinking. These are the emotions that many of you have been going through. God, take these things out. Take these things away from my life. God, as I come before to this altar, I bring these things to die at 
this altar. This unbelief must die. This unfaithfulness must die. This discouragement must die. This struggle must die. This sense of giving up must die. We're not quitters. We will press on. We will continue to move forward. For greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. No weapon that is formed against you in your life will what will not prosper. And every tongue that rises against you, what will be condemned. So God, right now, in every life that's here, every individual, God, that's standing in this room, and I say every because I know, Lord, for a fact that we have all been here. Many of us, Lord, are going through it now. Many will go through it later on. Many have already gone through it, but God, help us to understand that you are greater than our need. Yes, Lord. Your love supersedes all boundaries. Your forgiveness is there every single day of our life. But God, we can't stop. Lord, we thank you. So right now, if this is you this morning, if this is you, if this has hit you in any way, here's my direction, that you step out from where you are and you come as they did in the Old Testament. When they came to the altar, they, they placed those things to die on that altar, that sacrifice. What are you going to sacrifice today? Are you going to sacrifice that discouragement? Are you going to sacrifice that quitting mentality? Are you going to sacrifice that selfish ambition that's causing you to get further from God rather than closer? That selfishness. Are you going to sacrifice those things on the altar this morning? See, I can't make that choice for you. That's your choice. That's your decision. But you know what? Most importantly, also, that if you've been contemplating running from God, saying, you know, I'm just done. I'm just done. I'm telling you to get up here. Because I want to pray with you. Because God's not done. You can't be done. God's going to move. That's my instruction this morning. If that's you, if you need to lay some things down to this altar today for them to die before the Lord, say, God, take these things away. I'm asking you right now to step out. Choose to trust you. 